guys. Welcome back to We Love Lucy, the I Love Lucy podcast. I'm Allison Werma. I'm Corinne Eckhart. I'm Molly Lyon. This episode is one that I personally am very excited about. As an LA woman, it focuses on a lot of themes that I'm interested in. Very witchy. Yes. It's like they're a two-person coven in this episode. It's called The Seance, and it aired on November 26th, 1951. We have a very quick synopsis, literally seven words. Lucy gets superstitious with the daily horoscope. The episode opens with Lucy reading again, just like she's reading in When She Thinks Ricky's Trying to Murder Her. She's too involved with whatever she's into that day. That she spills her husband's coffee. She doesn't bring his breakfast properly. She's just so excited about her numerology book. Yeah, I love that she's such a bookworm. And I'm excited to see what she continues to read throughout the rest of the series. So the first sentence he asks her in the morning is, What cooks for the breakfast? He just expects it to be ready when he enters the kitchen. What does that mean? I think that's just his accent and he just didn't put together the sentence in the proper grammatical structure. What's cooking? Hey, hey, good looking. It's the early what's cooking. I like it. Except literally he wants to know what is cooking for breakfast. (laughs) Like, woman, what have you provided for me? What have you created for me? Lucy is obsessed with this numerology thing. And Ricky goes, what happened to palm reading and tea leaves and horoscopes? And she's like, this is so much more interesting. No, it's not. Also, can somebody explain to me what the deal with numerology is? I just don't get it. So, basically... How do you, you have to add up your, the letters in your name and each of them has a different value, right? We're all given numbers. That's all I know. Wasn't, and we'll talk about him later, but Mr. Merriweather a seven or was he a one? He was a one like I am. a seven? Let's say what all of our numbers are. My number with my middle name too is one. Ah. Am number one. I'm also the first sign in the zodiac. I'm an Aries. Just always on top. Always. I'm a three. And I'm a seven. So. We're all a little odd. We're all so then there there aren't just numbers for names there are numbers for like word other words as well because he says something about three and she says watch your mouth <laughs> well he says like i'm gonna nip it in the three right and she goes watch your mouth what is a th- who is three well i was thinking it was like nip it in the bud but she thought he was saying like nip it in the ass <laughs> But then I was like, that's if, like, we're saying it's just, like, the number of letters in the word. I don't understand. I can't even get the jokes because I don't understand numerology. I don't understand the science of numerology. What are the laughs? I don't get it. (laughs) But it's pretty boring. It's not like you get your daily numerology horoscope. I guess you probably could. But I think that regular astrology is so much more fascinating than numerology is. Oh, so apparently you have, like, your number, then you have your soul urge number, and then you also have an inner dream number. And it says that Corinne dreams of having the opportunity to read. I dream of the opportunity? (laughs) To read. Is this an industry standard, or is this just this website? I don't know. Well, we're going to put up a link on our Twitter for you guys to figure out your numerology, and we can all talk about what our soul urge numbers are. And you can also apparently find out what you're dreaming about, which (laughs) for me is a basic... You know, skill that most people have developed. That's not the only risque thing that's said, though. The three. Yes, let's get talking about the dirtiness that's happening. Oh my god, I love it. So, I guess the thing with all of this, like, hippy dippy moon business, or numerology. But your vibrations are, you know, your energy, all related to these things. And so she says something about, oh, like, we have to do this, though, to help our vibrations. And Ricky says, So, 
He's so bad. <laughs> he is so naughty. They're not vibrating in sync. This is a problem. And it's like, he's like, this is the first I'm hearing of it. I read it's a, it's one of the most risque jokes made in the entire series. It comes very early. Really? I Coming mean, in hot. Was there a BuzzFeed listicle for, <laughs> for it? Power well, we rankings. Should, we should write one. BuzzFeed, call us. It's pretty risque. I mean, it's very, it implies a lot of physical activity. Also, there's like a bunch of things in that that scene in the kitchen that are kind of like feel a bit edgy for the time where he talks about he's like, he, I guess he sort of zones off and she's like, what are you thinking about? And he's like, I was just thinking about the perfect 16 I used to know. <laughs> yes. Are there 16s in numerology? I don't think so because no, it's think... you add the one and the six and so it becomes a seven. He's thinking about <laughs> He's talking about sizes. Seven. I think he's talking about like curvy 16. I think he's saying she's more than a 10. Yeah, that's what oh. I, I thought it was a reference to the 1 to 10 scale. And then I was like, 16 is, damn, off the chart. And then Lucy looks up his ideal name, and it's Genevieve. And then he makes a hers and hers towel joke, which I thought was kind of really ahead of its time. Right. It was interesting, and also it didn't get a ton of laughs either. And he didn't make it, like, too weird. Either. But it did feel very, like, very much of a different time. Yeah, I mean... That could be like a modern family joke or like a friend's joke. Yeah. Certainly could be a joke today, but it also felt like he was kind of acknowledging same-sex relationships. Like they would just buy hers and hers towels. That's all you'd have to do and that that it would be okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I thought it was more like, that could never happen because then you'd have to buy two sets of hers towels. Oh, I thought he was like just being like... A woke bro. Yeah, I thought he was just saying, well, you'd have to buy new towels, but otherwise... Otherwise I should be called Genevieve. (laughs) Is Ricky Ricardo the original Mark Ruffalo? <laughs> so if your bingo boards are out, Mark Ruffalo has already been covered. <laughs> and I would cover him again. <laughs> That's a vibrations joke. That's in line with the vibrations. Covers and uncovers. <laughs> so yeah, the numerology thing. And then we also, we learn some fun personal information about all of them by learning their signs and their birthdays. Okay, it drove me crazy that, so Ricky's a Gemini, but she keeps saying Gemini. Gemini. It, she's just mispronouncing it, right? Or are we mispronouncing it? I've actually heard people who speak other languages, when they talk about astrological signs, will say Gemini. I wonder if this is just completely taking a leap, but I wonder if she heard Ricky say Gemini first and then copied his pronunciation of the word and she maybe just didn't know how to say the word with an American accent before. Could or be. maybe and then Lucy's a Taurus. Taurus. Your captain Taurus. And we learn that Ethel is Leo. Yes, my fellow fire sign. Me too. Love that. But Ricky's not on board with this whole horoscope, numerology, any of it. Uh, and Lucy's trying to prove Ricky wrong, and she says that a woman's gonna come over, give her money, and Ethel comes over and gives her money. Do you think she planned that? I mean, I kind of think so. Yeah, because Ethel had borrowed money yesterday, so it must have been, like, kind of in her recent memory, and she thought maybe there was a chance. Or Ethel is just waiting outside holding a dollar, probably. I I don't put it past the two of them to have made plans to sort of trick their husbands out of winning bets. Nice little bit. And now knowing what we've learned from the quiz show, that $10 is like almost 100 bucks. She could buy herself a nice dress. Get it, girl. She's finding a way to have a side job. Oh, I was mad at Ricky in this scene because when Ethel came in, Ricky was acknowledging what Lucy had said about a woman's going to come in and give her money. And he goes, oh, she's a woman. I guess so. Oh, 
He's been someone's been hanging out with Fred too much. Yeah. God. It's Hashtag leave Ethel alone. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy looks up Ricky's horoscope to see if it's okay for him to get a haircut, and then when she finds out that it's his day to say yes to everything, she sends him out the door with this quote. Well, you feel free to say yes to everything today, no matter what it is. Oh boy, will I? <laughs> There's a lot of implication of cheating and other women. He's already referenced a 16. I know, he's going to go out and find that perfect 16. There's Jeez. a sense of permissiveness that she's <laughs> just saying anything goes. It kind of also is an implication of, like, on a general day, he gets propositioned and he's just always said no. Right. My horoscope says that I can't today. <laughs> but it turns out it was the wrong day. They were reading the wrong paper. Classic, Lucy. I mean, that's bold of Ricky. He doesn't know what he's going to get asked when he leaves the house. <laughs> but he's gone for like two minutes. Yeah. And the only calls he's expecting is his haircut guy. His, his barber. barber. And Mr. Merriweather. But he doesn't tell, we don't find out about Merriweather yet. But Lucy picks up the phone, assuming it's the hair guy. The barber. Ricky's stylist. <laughs> and she says, no, no to, or no. She just like shuts it down. She's like, yeah, because Rick, she, Ricky told me you were going to call and he says no. Because she, at that point, Ethel told her she was reading the wrong paper. And today's the day where Ricky needs to go hide. Jump in a hole and pull it down after you. If your horoscope said, don't leave the house, don't talk to anyone, don't make any decisions, would you actually do it? Do you read Susan Miller? Because her horoscopes are very... I do not. <laughs> Say more things about that. I love Susan Miller. She's like an astrologer to the stars, me and others. But she has, her horoscopes are really great. She, her uh, monthly horoscopes are awesome. But some of them, it's like your lucky day. It's like any other horoscope site, I guess. But hers are more scary accurate than any other site. So I recommend checking them out. I also like Astro Twins. But if Susan Miller were to tell me to stay home, I'd consider it. Sometimes she says don't go out that night. Bad things could happen. Would you not go to work because Susan Miller told you not to? No, I I have to go to work. I'd but to it's work. just something to keep in mind. There's a psychic like right outside my door, and my roommate and I. She's were living in your hallway. <laughs> no, my door right outside my apartment. You should go. One of my favorite things. Well, I've always enjoyed horoscopes. Kind of is just a fun thing. I don't take them that seriously, guys. If Susan Miller told me to stay home, I probably wouldn't stay home if I had social engagements. But an ex-boyfriend of mine was like, "Oh, let me read your horoscope to you," and he read it, and he was like, "That's does that sound right?" Or like, it, I think it was a description of an Aries, and I was like, "Yeah," and he goes, "I read a different one." <gasps> he was saying how they're so broad to try to appeal to everyone. I'm like, "You're mean." <laughs> My so God, bad. that's some Fred behavior. <laughs> It's like real negging. That not is. Not into it. No. Be, what is it? The art of the game? Is that, oh, Do we yeah. think Fred wrote the art of the game? Oh, my God. <laughs> the original pickup artist. Well, maybe that's like what he... Maybe he's just negging Ethel all the time. Maybe they have an amazing ulterior life as a couple that we see nothing about. It just occurs in their apartment when Ricky and Lucy aren't there. Like the rest of it is just like performative. I don't know. There's a lot to lot to talk about when it comes to Fred and Ethel. I mean, so if we, if they've already gotten into horoscopes and tea leaves, what do we think is next for them? Crystal? Definitely. It's the next level. Definitely. I mean. Feng Shui? Uh, I feel like that's. <laughs> that's something in the 50s. That's an actual science, okay? <laughs> I mean, they, they should, should go. They should go get their auras read. Today they would get their auras read. Grand. Know this. <laughs> my vibrations were good <laughs> what color was your aura is that a thing that they like determine fully no it's like 
basically the aura that I did, the aura reading that I did was through Radiant Human. You can check them out on Instagram. They have a lot of cool pictures. But she has an electromagnetic camera that can detect the electromagnetic waves around your body. And then she associates the electromagnetic waves with traditional aura colors. And then so when the camera takes a picture of you, the colors come up, like depending on what the wave levels are around you. It's not a true aura thing because how can it be? But mine was a good mix of purple, red, yellow, orange, blue. It was kind of everything. All it's the just colors. kind of a really great Instagram picture. <laughs> and there we are. <laughs> um, this is Hi, Los I Angeles. Can, I know. So I've lived in Los Angeles for four and a half years. Can you tell? <laughs> yeah, I was like, which, which chakra do we think each of the characters leads with? It definitely seeps in, I feel like, this city in, in terms of that kind of thing. It's like smog. It's definitely, I've definitely had more discussions living here to with people who live here about things like psychics and aura readings than I think I ever have in my whole life. Oh, for sure. And I do feel like it's also a trend now, too. I mean, there are so many crystal shops popping up. and So Ricky comes home, and once he learns that Ethel... Ricky comes home, and once he learns that Lucy's actually been talking to Mr. Merriweather, who's a very important business contact... Yeah, it's like he's a pro- theatrical producer, but I don't quite know what he does. No, what he's offering Ricky a job in a show. I yes. Guess. Yeah. But I thought Ricky was extended to the Copacabana. Yeah, why is he looking for new jobs? He's juggling offers. Well, can he work at multiple places at once? I don't think he has an exclusive deal. Band leaders, let us know. I mean, he must be able to unless his show runs every single night, but it seems like probably it's a once-a-week thing at the Copa. At the Copa. I thought he was at the Tropicana. They wanted to go to the Copa to go to the club. Yeah. At the Tropicana. Too many clubs. And then he kind of attacks Lucy. Did you notice this? He was It was like vague domestic violence implications. Was, yeah, he was walking towards her and she told him to stay away. <laughs> yeah, and then he kept coming. And as he approached, he, she yelled help, which like that, I mean, if someone, if a neighbor had heard it, you would think something was wrong. And then he pulls her by the ear. He literally does physically touch her. Do you think she has PTSD from when... She thought he was trying to murder her? I don't know, but I didn't like it. I was like, if she says don't come near me, then that's definitely, you should not be coming any closer. Well, I felt like he was bothered, like parenting her. I was just going to say, yeah. Between the grabbing by the ear, and then he's like, no, you're going to go over and apologize to Mr. Merriweather. Yeah, she certainly did. Her reaction to it was a little childish in the way that like, oh, do I have to go talk to him? Yeah, there is a lot of that where he's sort of the disciplinarian and the grown-up, and she's just being like around yeah like wasn't there even a thing about like on your leash oh i think he did say that going out the door so he's treated her like a child and a dog and she's acting like a child but i just the fact that they're married makes it seem wrong to me well one of my favorite moments of physical comedy was when ricky tells lucy that he might get this offer from mr merriweather he goes keep your fingers crossed and she goes i'm gonna keep everything crossed and she's crossed her entire body including her eyes and a really great close-up yeah that was a good moment. She's definitely not afraid to look silly. No. That's a yoga pose, though. Eagle. She's going to get into yoga. Maybe she will. Maybe that's what Ethel does downstairs. But, but then they go meet Mr. Merriweather, who is one of my favorites. He's so strange. Yeah, the actor is Jay Novello. And he is a he's going to recur on the show in several more episodes as several different characters. But he was a sort of storied character actor of the time. Yeah, I love all the featured character actors. 
they seem to like to have their friends come around and find work for them and play different roles and I think that's great because it's it's kind of harkens back to the way you would do a theater show which is the actors in the company would play multiple roles so it's sort of like they're all in the greater I Love Lucy company in a rep company and also this was probably before they were really thinking actively about syndication so it's not like they thought people were going to be reviewing episodes so the attention span was a lot shorter they didn't think they had to be accountable for that they certainly didn't think we'd be doing a podcast that just picks apart every single fact about an episode or that maybe that the show would even be so successful that these websites that chronicle the I Love Lucy like archives would pick up on the fact it's the same actor maybe that's the ultimate goal is to have a show that's so successful that people tear it apart <laughs> what a what or a town we live it. in what Guys, what a thing to aspire to maybe in 30 years people will be talking about tv shows they like via holograms certainly a modern example of a show that reuses actors to play different characters is gilmore girls yes um they had uh sean gunn play various versions of the Kirk character before he was Kirk and he had many different names and then they have Rose Abdu who plays Gypsy in the revival on Netflix that we all just finished watching yes she also plays Emily's maid Berta yes in a wig and a completely different language in this episode some of the most interesting characters are the ones that we never actually meet yes so oh. we meet Mr. Merriweather and by the way he reminds his hairstyle did you guys notice his hairstyle it was parted down the middle and then kind of combed up to cover up his balding so instead of like a comb over it was like a comb towards the middle but he reminded me of Mr. Mugatu with his hairstyle <laughs> from Zoolander <laughs> I get that yeah yeah but his voice was so weird so he's a um, he was born to Italian parents and he didn't learn English for the first couple of years of his life so English is his second language and and I don't know if that played at all into like the voice he was using or the accent he was using, but it'll I be, just thought it was interesting. It'll be interesting to see when he plays different characters on the show. I didn't get the sense that it was an accent. It was more that just like he had it, it was so high pitched. Yeah, like an mm-hmm. affectation. And so squeaky, yeah. And I don't know, it's like, is this what like theater producers are like in New York? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I just didn't hear a name. <laughs> I, I need to talk to my Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good impression. His that was great. Office <laughs> is very elaborate, too. There were like, some weird things in there. He's good at what he does. It's like Baroque. <laughs> Right, rope, don't fix it. Rococo. So the Ouija, he's playing with a Ouija board when we first see him, or he's using a Ouija board when we first see him. And so we find out that Mr. Merriweather and Lucy share a lot of the same interests because Ricky wanted, basically was trying to embarrass Lucy by saying, like, come and tell this man that it's because of your silly interests that I missed his phone call. And they bond and they decide to stage a seance to have an excuse to have Mr. Merriweather come hang out with them. Yeah, Mr. Merriweather, by the way, is a Scorpio, which we all know about Scorpios. Yeah. They're the toughest sign in the Zodiac. And he's also a one. I'm also a one. So the and the end of that whole scene where they uh, where he is saying he gets to talk to Tilly, there's a push in on Mr. Merriweather. It goes very close for the final frame. And I felt like that was almost the first time I see that shot in the show, but I know we're going to see it down the line. We skipped a couple episodes for the podcast because they're not available online, so I'm not sure if it's the first, first time we ever see this, but it seems like they are exploring a new visual language with this shot. Yeah. Oh, also, have you guys ever played with a Ouija board before? Yes. I feel like I did once and it just was not moving. Oh, every well, for me it was like middle school sleepovers where it was like who has a crush on me and then you would just like move it to whoever you wanted. It's Billy. 
But somebody, okay, so if, if... You just would, like, hold your hands until the pressure would finally go wherever you wanted it to. If we're operating under the premise that the spirits don't move the Ouija board, the participants move the Ouija board, then who as a kid is precocious enough to move a Ouija board? I would feel so paranoid that everyone else is going to know it's me moving it, <laughs> that I that I didn't move it. But then I feel like everyone I was playing with felt the same way, so then it just stayed. <laughs> <laughs> so self-conscious we just didn't want to be judged for like pretending to be a ghost (laughs) you know it's like that thing when you don't want people to judge you for pretending to be a ghost very common adolescent experience corinne for about how that feels not weird that's not unusual oh my god that's so funny christina ricci and casper saw a ghost so she knew they were real she like makes out with a ghost because he's like suddenly cute does anybody remember being like very confused by that movie he's a boy right I, but he's he still dead into... oh <laughs> well also we recently watched hocus pocus together true true and what's her name another cute dead guy another cute dead guy yeah and my little girl what's her name uh, thora birch thora birch like has a thing for him all the now and then girls their first on-screen kiss was with a dead boy <laughs> Speaking of a modern reference to this episode, love of ghosting. Speaking of a modern reference to this episode, in Now and Then the film, which is one of my favorites from childhood, they hold a séance. It's a huge plot point in the movie. They go to a cemetery late at night. They try to speak to a little boy who was murdered with his mother, and then the entire movie is based on them finding out facts about how the murder happened and who this family was and all of these weird like mysterious things start happening to them that freak them out why do we think it is that women are more interested in the occult or in superstitions i mean that's a huge generalization i'm making but even like wiccan culture or whatever like because witches are women we are one coven women are magic is that the thesis statement i just it's true it's like definitely pervasive across a lot of stories and a lot of pop culture and obviously the three of us know a lot more about all of these things we've been discussing than like three men our age might if you were going to gender like the supernatural tropes then if women were interested in ghosts then wouldn't you say men would be interested more interested in zombies like i'm thinking of like walking dead is probably more uh, watched by men than women think it has to do with the physical body because women are more interested and comfortable with something that's abstract and not concrete and men like because a zombie is like a body that's still going after mm-hmm. the like soul is gone or whatever yeah women are more in tune with themselves and into an intuition yeah i mean i've been working on following my gut so <laughs> does that make me i've a also witch? been like drinking a lot of probiotics taking care of my gut <laughs> we talk about kombucha all the time <laughs> It's all witchy. Costco, get at us. Um, We know you sell it. Back to the theme of um, sleepovers is I kept thinking about uh, playing light as a feather, stiff as a board. Oh, yeah. It never was. Oh, yeah, no, it never. And then what is it, the Bloody Mary thing? That really freaked me out because I... That's a scary ghost. Yeah, that's a scary bloody ghost. I don't think I do believe in ghosts, but there have been times where I just think that certain places are creepy. Like, certain places have a presence. And they you have, know? like, a memory. But, like, how would you want to live on after your death? 
I if mean, we had, if you had to be a ghost, if you had to be a ghost, or like if you had to show people who you left behind that you're visiting, that you're visiting, I would like to be like a twinkling star or something. I don't know that I want to just like enter the house randomly. Yeah, no, I would, th- I would want it to be like something sensory, like a smell or like a, a sound. That well, the like smell would be so cute if I had a smell that like was associated with me. Right, but then also it's like you know that there are certain things. Have you ever heard that you smell burnt toast? It means you're having a stroke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord. So, and then I'm, I don't know who in my neighborhood is always burning toast. <laughs> you're always two seconds away from a stroke? I like, I Taylor and I are always like, are we okay? Because it smells like burnt bread. I think if you're regularly. Both, I think if you're both smelling it, then it's probably fine. I mean, I have not been having a stroke every time I smelled it, but I would just not want my smell to be there. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> what about gluten-free burnt toast? <laughs> it's just like the most in- infuriating kind of stroke is what that in- indicates. Oh. You want to go back into the episode? Oh. We open after the push-in. We open in the living room and Lucy's running around getting ready for the seance in the most to die for album. Yes! That's, I, my, I wrote it in all caps. Oh my god. I just wrote like arrows up. Like I just... <laughs> It's a sheer lace dress over a white jumpsuit. It's Those amazing. are pants. It's amazing. <laughs> and the jumpsuit itself looks incredible. Like it's it's sleeveless. It's got like a fitted bustier. Yeah, it's a high neck. And then and then she just like put a lace sheer which I always want to just like own a lace sheer dress, but then I'm like, what will I wear it with? The answer is a white jumpsuit. <laughs> Apparently. We're going shopping right now. Oh my god. No, it looked amazing. And Ethel looked great too when Ethel comes in and she's dressed up as the medium. I thought when Fred came in to enter, he was being a surprisingly good sport. I love seeing Fred be playful with Ethel in that way. That was very refreshing to me. Having read, we talked about this in an earlier episode, but apparently before Fred and Ethel bought this building, they were both in vaudeville. And so this, like, maybe it's part of them, like, getting to put on a show together is, like, bringing out a positive side in their relationship. That's maybe how they met and why they got married and then it just soured. Fred, when he enters, he's wearing a red, they call it a fez cap, and Mm -hmm. it says Tehran. And Lucy says it's not a Shriners convention, which I didn't know what that was, so I looked it up. It's an appendant body to the Freemasonry established in 1810 and it describes itself as a fraternity based on fun fellowship and the masonic principles of brotherly love relief and truth and they wear red fezes which are felt headdresses in the shape of a truncated cone it's a glorified adult male fraternity yes and i don't know why he had it but that's what they used to wear so he's a freemason he's a fun guy so apparently he's a freemason or a shriner the part that i couldn't figure out is it says tehran which is the capital of iran and i there's no connection between (laughs) that i could find maybe i'm totally wrong tweeted us if i'm wrong but the shriners there's no connection between them and souvenir from the vacation he took he just stumbled into a fraternity based on brotherly love maybe he picked it up at a secondhand store but ethel's outfit is amazing because she's basically made herself into a medium picking up whatever was lying around the house she has like a necklace on top of her turban which is a towel <laughs> um i think she's wearing a tablecloth on her she's wearing some good good makeup it did seem like her shawl was a tablecloth i couldn't tell i think so but she looked great totally i think she's really leaning into her witchy vibes maybe ethel's a witch i think she's interested in with witchcraft if not already a full-fledged member of a coven she reads tarot she reads tarot she always knows what's going on upstairs 
you could chalk that up to being the paper thin walls, or you could chalk it up to she's a psychic too. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying it's something we should keep tracking as we watch the show. I'm on board with that. I and, think that's a strong theory, and maybe that's how she can live with Fred and put up with his shittiness. Is maybe maybe she puts spells on him? Is he a warlock? No, he's a squib. He's a troll. <laughs> Oh, okay. Fun fact, not at all related to the witchiness. Apparently, this episode, we've talked earlier in earlier conversations about how um, Ricky is not very tall. And by Ricky, I mean Desi Arnaz, the actor. And so this is the first time they tried. They padded one side of the sofa so he could sit down next to her and look taller than her. Aww. So that was something they ended up using throughout the show, but this was the first time they did it. Maybe. I mean, it's just like shoe lifts. Maybe he, maybe this is proof that true love isn't height dependent and I should not if a guy is under 5'11". Guys, we've lowered our standards to under 5'11". We've lowered we've our literally standards lowered. to meet your height. <laughs> literally lowered them. <laughs> you have to be this tall to ride this thread. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> that song. Insert song here. I'm on board. How tall is Zane? Um, so they used two names for Ethel. They call her Madame Rhea and Madame Mertzola, and they do not stick to one of them. Well, the Madame Rhea was for, I think, Fred's contribution because he wanted to make a medium rare joke. Oh. Oh, <laughs> I did. I think he said medium Rhea. Fred and I are not on the same comedy page. <laughs> Fred's too broad. <laughs> Fred. She could be Rhea Mertzola. We don't know. That could be her name. The other thing I wanted to mention was Ethel's way she calls. <laughs> to spirits. Why does she say over like she's an astronaut? <laughs> she's a pilot. It's like she's on a walkie. I love that Mr. Merriweather is just totally in it. He is here for the seance. Totally. There's a lot of different moving parts to this seance. It's very complex. And so they've assigned Ethel the, the medium role. So it's her job to divine what this person is saying. Just as a shout out to how Red has to leave in order to make this work. <laughs> then it means, because Mr. Merriweather does not see Red, he shows up after Fred leaves. So then it means that just Lucy and Ricky are throwing a seance with a medium by themselves. You know how Lucy was like, yeah. we're doing one tonight? It's like, oh, just the two of us as a couple. <laughs> we have an extra chance at our seance it's like literally means they just have an extra chair at their table you're right they all play roles ethel's a madam the medium <laughs> she is not that's Ginny jones well that oh they call her madam ray that's why i was reading it um <laughs> ethel's the medium lucy's participant the, tilly oh yeah so ethel and lucy decide that lucy's gonna be tilly so I don't know how, so Ricky and Fred decide that Fred's going to be Tilly, so Fred has to leave. But then when they actually get in there and they're sitting, I mean, first of all, how clever was that sneeze to connect yeah. Ethel and Mr. Merriweather's hands? <laughs> That's some on-the-spot thinking. That's improv. When Ethel starts calling for Tilly, Ricky, like he practiced with Fred, is going to stomp on the floor. How did he expect Fred to get up that quickly? No idea. Because Lucy was, like, there and ready. I mean, they must have adjusted the time for the comedy, but it just seemed like Fred couldn't have just appeared in the apartment one second after the stomp. I also love when Fred is getting really into playing... A woman. A woman. He, his voice was spot on. So when they're all wandering around and they're all perplexed before Ricky comes back in, you can actually hear the audience cough. And oh. I, I liked it. It makes the laughs feel more real as well because you're hearing the other things that people do 
the seance went well. Yeah, he was happy. Ricky got his job. And we found out who Tilly was. The dog. The Cocker Spaniel, specifically. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, Tilly didn't speak in real life, so why did he want to specifically talk to her? I think the question was he wanted to know who the dog liked better. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's in the show and I didn't <laughs> make that up. <laughs> yeah, that it is, did. but why? Maybe that was like... Because it seems like Mrs. Merriweather is dead, so you win, sir. But who died first? But I mean, he's outlived Mrs. Merriweather, so but who cares the dog... who the dog preferred? But if, <laughs> what if his last words to Tilly were something bad, like, um, don't eat my shoe, and he just feels really guilty about it? That's well, true. What if he thinks they're like hanging out in the afterlife without him? Yeah. Oh, is it FOMO? Jealous. <laughs> FOMO, original FOMO. Is this like <laughs> afterlife FOMO? Afterlife FOMO. <laughs> Next level, literally. Well, I mean, find out that Tilly's in hell, and I feel like Mrs. Merriweather might be in hell too, in his eyes. Sure. So of now course. he knows that they're uh, heating up together down there. <laughs> they're not chilling. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the dog reveal was actually a bit predictable after... Oh, totally. Who did you like better? I mean, what are the explanations? Well, like, I thought I maybe thought, their kid. I thought maybe their child. Dead, their dead child is dark, though. But, yeah, that's so dark for a comedy, and then that's, like, the a, question you'd ask your child. That's a premise for a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're pitching it to anyone who's interested. Studios. Get at us. I, I hadn't seen this episode before this moment, and I... I sort of knew what was going to happen after the who did you like better question. For sure. I mean. But the question we always have to ask if anything feels sort of predictable or on the nose is that is it predictable because everything since then has copied it? Yeah. Or is it predictable because it's like an obvious way for a story to go? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to look at this stuff in a vacuum. This numerology episode of I Love Lucy is based on an episode of My Favorite Husband also called Numerology. And I'm going to play a clip of the opening, and the first few lines are very similar. And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper, two people who live together and like it. The book is so fascinating, I can't put it down. Hmm, what kind of a book is it? It's all about numerology. Oh, that stuff. That's a lot of nonsense. It is not. You ought to read the book yourself, Five. Wait, guys. You know what we're doing right now is coming full circle because we are a podcast, essentially a radio show, talking about a TV show which started as a radio show. Whoa. We have a th- we have three faces for the radio, or rather we have three faces for your iPhone or Droid <laughs> or your laptop computer. <laughs> we fit in your pocket. I don't think they were copying themselves, but the first few lines are so like almost word perfect. Yeah. Except that it's Richard Dunning and not Desi Arnaz. Downgrade that it's Richard Dunning. <laughs> if you ask me. <laughs> do any of us know what Richard Dunning looks I don't like? care. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag Team Ricky. I don't need to know, Karen. I, I know everything I need to know. Well, if you're interested, that episode of My Favorite Husband is in three parts up on YouTube. And so you can listen to that and compare it to the episode we're about to talk about. Okay, because you can follow us at We Love Lucy Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. At We Love Lucy Pod on Twitter. And you can email us at We Love Lucy Pod at gmail.com. Bye, Lucy's. Thanks for listening, Lucy. Bye. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball.
is the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Dennis. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jell-O family of desserts. J-E-L-L-O. Oh!